fans like to refer to that 2012 playoff series, which they won in six games, like it's some kind of blueprint for success now six years later. It's not. Much has changed since 2012. And one big positive for the Penguins has been the presence of Patrick Hornquist. Patrick Hornquist is exactly the kind of player you need when you're up against the Flyers. If they're going to stand in your crease, Hornquist is going to stand in their crease. If they're going to bump your goalie, Hornquist is going to bump their goalie. If they irritate, Hornquist is going to irritate just as bad and maybe twice as bad. What the Flyers like to do to the Penguins, Hornquist is going to do to the Flyers. The Pens were reactionary back then, and they went too far. Matt Cook was a Penguin then, but, but he was a criminal. He was reactive. Hornquist is proactive. He makes you decide. He makes you retaliate, and he does it within the context of just playing his game. Hornquist has been a valuable component since joining the Penguins, but he's going to be especially valuable in this series against Philadelphia, and I bet he scores some goals, too. Again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. I need calls, as we've discussed in the past. Look, look what I'm giving you today. I gave you a 17-minute Sidney Crosby interview, which I thought was very good. I'm going to give you Mike Sullivan, the coach, at 5:30. That's the best talk you talk to, Don. So, what I need right now are your calls. So I can casually talk and watch the final uh, 28 minutes of this game uh, and hope I I don't throw up. Because right now it's looking like throwing up is a distinct possibility. 1-1 at the end ahead, 4-1 Liverpool lead on aggregate, but City can score so much and so fast. I'm still extremely nervous. Uh, I I like that, that... I don't know if I'd call it a tagline, but I like what I said about the Flyers a bit earlier, kind of an ad lib, which if you knew this show, not much is. That the Flyers play just like the Penguins, only worse. The Flyers have a lot of firepower, but not as much as the Penguins. The Flyers stars are great, but not as great as the Penguins. The Flyers get their defensemen involved in the rush, but not as many, not as well, or as much as the Penguins. It's just, the Penguins are playing a mirror image. No, far from it, but it just seems that the way the Flyers play means they have to beat the Penguins at their own game. Can the Flyers really beat the Penguins at their own game? I'm not sure anybody can do that, let alone the Flyers, but you know what I do come back to quite a bit? I come back to the fact that the Penguins finished just Two points ahead of the Flyers. But like I talked about with Sid, and like I'm going to talk about with Sully next hour, I think the Penguins saved a little bit. Maybe subconsciously, maybe the experience that a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion carries around coming out just instinctively. But I feel like the Penguins saved a little something and have an extra gear, have another level they can find in these playoffs. 
412-333-9939, the number to call. Like, like I said about the Flyers, playing the same way. Look at the scores in the regular season. The Penguins won 5-4, 5-1, The Penguins went 4-0 and, oh and just kept scoring five goals every game. They score five goals every game in the playoffs. They got a, a pretty good shot. Let's go to Bobby in the North Hills. Bobby, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. I wanted to see if you agree with me or not. When I was watching the games play out on Saturday and Sunday here and we found out the Pens have pulled the Flyers. I think they honestly made out the best case scenario just based off the way they played the Devils. And I don't think you want to get it a, a growing kind of series with the Blue Jackets again. I mean, do you agree with that? Oh, I'm writing a column for the trip for tomorrow in which I say, I think that if the Penguins could have picked any Eastern Conference playoff qualifier to play in the first round, they would have picked Philadelphia. Like I said, the Flyers play like the Penguins, only worse. Don't you agree? I agree with you. I think, you know, points aside from the regular season, I know they only finished two two ahead of the Flyers, but you just look at the way New Jersey matches up against the Penguins and then the fact that they're going to go and have to deal with Tampa. Well, now, now I, I think you're I think you're you're digging a little too deep maybe. Uh, no offense, but I think had the Penguins played New Jersey in the playoffs, they would have taken them apart. I don't put a lot of stock in how the teams do against each other in the regular season. I just can't. It's been proven time and time again it doesn't matter all that much. Let's go to Al in Harrison City. Al, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mark. I just wanted to comment on uh, Connor Sherry's play as a late. I know you're not a real big fan. Cause you oh, I'm not anti. Player. I just no, – what, what, what I don't like about Sherry is I don't like the way – he matches up with Kessel and Broussard. I think that makes that line bereft of grit and uh, not real good defensively either. But uh, in certain situations and on certain lines, I, I do like Connor Sherry, but I see him more as an in-and-out-of-the-lineup type of player. But you go ahead. You tell me what you think. His hustle is paying off, and I think I'm sure he's playing for his life with the Penguins, but uh, that's a good thing. He, even away from the play, he's flying. He's giving it 100%, and I think that's going to come in handy in this series. Yeah. don't. You, let me ask you this, though, uh, Al. Do you think anybody doesn't give 100% in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I didn't say that, but I'm just saying Sherry's really making making the extra effort, and uh, it, it shows, and I think that's going to be a good thing. I hope you're right. Uh, he's played well lately. What was it? Three goals in four games at one point. So uh, you got to have him in there to start the playoffs. Ain't no question about that. And we'll see what he can earn from there. I think that if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup for third straight time, the lineup by necessity has to be very fluid. Very, very fluid. Let's go to Jim and Point Breeze. Jim, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mark, just in regards to your of Hornquist at the top of the hour and him being the difference in 2012. I think that's a great point. I also bring up uh, having Coach Sullivan and the way he's prepared these guys and, and, and his overwatching of, of the team has been a huge piece and a huge difference. And I, I don't think the 2012 thing could repeat. Under well, uh, if you want to, I agree with both your points. And if you want to go one step further, Jim. I don't think the Flyers had the components to knock the Penguins off their game, especially these more mature 
and championship caliber Penguins like they did in 2012, don't you think? I, I would agree. I think Philly's D is younger, and to be honest, I think that their coach is kind of green as well. I don't think he's... Yeah, he's doing a pretty good job there. For him to get this lot into the playoffs with the defense they have and to keep their goals against at a relatively okay level, like I said, with not a great defensive core and not great goaltending, I give Hackstall a lot of credit. They brought him from college. I didn't think he would do that well in the pros, and it did take him a bit of time to adjust, but he has adjusted, and that's one guy uh, with the Flyers organization I give a lot of credit to. Ron Hextall, too, the GM. He's gone in a different direction, all the thuggery and the goonery, and the Flyers are getting there as a team. Now, that's set. I don't like Gudas. I don't like Manning, but that's in the Flyers' DNA. They're always going to have a couple guys around like that. Let's go to Jason Shaler. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, I heard Stan talking about uh, the line matchup. He was saying the last time uh, the Penguins played the Flyers that the Crosby line seemed to be out against the Drew line uh, pretty much the whole game. I know Sullivan... Wasn't that game at Philadelphia? Uh, yeah. If that game's at Philadelphia, then that's Hackstall making that decision. Uh, in terms of what matchups I would want... It depends, like Sid even said a little bit ago, it depends on if Couturier is on their number one line or if they use him as a checker and put Giroux back at center. There's a lot of different factors that will go into what matchups the Penguins should be looking for. Uh, I don't mind when Crosby plays against the other team's uh, biggest defensive threat, like if it does turn out to be Crosby matched up against Giroux, because then it makes Giroux play defense a lot. I mean, you, you know, the other coach is probably thinking it makes Sid play defense a lot, but... I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it makes Giroux, in this case, play defense more. Yeah, I don't think the Flyers really have that much of a difference between their lines that it's going to affect the Sid line all that much. Oh, no, the Flyers, it depends how they structure their lines. But there are times they go like Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek where that's a really loaded line. And then you do have to think some about matchups. Um when when they but they have some younger guys coming on too like Konechki they they're they're a pretty good team i mean they really are they're let me take that back they're not a pretty good team they stink in goal they stink on defense but they have a lot of firepower up front and if they can match the penguins goal for goal more power to them but that would be the only way to beat these penguins 4123339939 we have Stan Savard at the bottom of the hour and in the 5 o'clock hour we're going to talk to Penguins coach Mike Sullivan. That's at 5.30. And we'll also be giving away two tickets to game one of the series between the Pens and Flyers in the 5 o'clock hour. That's game one tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. It's the Mark Madden Show. The best Penguins talk anywhere. And you can hear it only on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're talking to the super genius. Yo, double up. Yo, drunked up Willie. Mark Madden is Pittsburgh sports. The X at 105.9. In the 77th minute, Roberto Firmino has just scored for Liverpool at Etihad, which means City must now score five goals in the last 14 minutes to get to the Champions League semifinals. Dare I say it? I dare. It's over! 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Stan Savard at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Patience in Green Tree. Patience, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Terrific. 
Hey, I just wanted to say, I just remember uh, about, like, I don't know, about five, six years ago when Rutherford and, uh, when, when you brought Rutherford and Sullivan in. That wasn't five, six years ago. Rutherford has been here for exactly, uh, this is his fourth season. Okay. Sullivan was hired uh, partway through the 2015-16 uh, season. Oh, okay. I remember when they both were brought in, they weren't the uh, organization's first choices. And I just wanted oh, to say, oh, Jim was. Oh, Jim was? Yeah, Rutherford was their first choice, absolutely. They they interviewed some other people for sure, but uh, but no, Jim was their preferred hire. Mike Johnston wasn't. And that's that's one place where they screwed up was when they fired Bilesma, they didn't have a succession plan in place. And they probably should have, but uh, uh, I, one thing I like about Jim Rutherford as a general manager, really like, is he recognizes when he's made a mistake and he corrects it. And he got Mike Johnston. He gave him a season. It was a bad season. He brought in Mike Sullivan as the minor league coach the next year, had him as a replacement waiting, and then pulled the trigger when it was apropos. That's a good point. I remember uh, the large part of the fan base was uh, in disarray over Rutherford in the beginning. And I just said, be patient with him. And, uh, is it, isn't every fan base in disarray patience pretty much all the time? I mean, look at right now. The Penguins are uh, going for their third straight Stanley Cup, and we hear complaints about this guy, that guy, the other guy, the penalty kill, uh, you name it. Guys, uh, fans still have a complaint. But uh, I-, I think that what the Penguins have done the last two years has been special, and they're embarking on something that could put an exclamation point on it. If they, if they don't win, they don't win. They might not win. In fact, they probably won't win. But, boy, what a run it's been. And uh, I expect them to beat Philadelphia, which will be certainly a nice uh, an exclamation point in and of itself in this great Penguins run uh, through this season, last season, and the prior. Let's go to Dave on the Parkway. Dave, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. How are you doing today? Terrific. Hey, uh, quick question for you. I definitely agree that the uh, Pens uh, have a uh, another uh, level that they're going to jump into in playoffs. But what worries me is... Uh, the defense and how they pinch at inopportune times, which lead to odd man rushes. Um, do you think? Well, that's not necessarily pinching at inopportune times. That's doing a poor job with the pinch and the forward not covering. Although, as I said after uh, uh, the last two games of the regular season, the the uh, the two wins at Columbus and then at home against Ottawa, Brian Rust was covering so much. I thought he was a defenseman. Very true, very true. But do you think Sullivan is going to have the defense maybe stay back a little bit and not join the Oh, no, I don't think they'll stay back. But I think improvement at them doing that will be organic, if that makes any sense. Uh, I think they'll they'll be perhaps on the defensive side of the puck more often on the pinch and and just, uh, just, you know, gee, Man City score, but it was offside. Isn't that a shame? Uh, I forgot we were talking about, but thank you for the call. I think at this point, I, I remember what we were talking about. I think you just got to play like you've been playing. I think it's that simple. I think you can batten down the hatches a little bit, cheat on the defensive side of the puck a little bit, but basically play like you've been playing. Let's go to Jeremy in Uniontown. Jeremy, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. What up? Um, I was just sitting there thinking, uh, thinking about your discussion about uh, not putting much stake in, um, you know, our record against teams in the regular season and things. And um, 
And I, and I agree with you. Yeah, it, it's a great discussion point, but ultimately I'm not sure how much it matters. Yeah, right, and, and I agree with you. And uh, But my mind always goes back to a few years ago. I'm not sure what year it was when um, we got swept by Boston in the regular season and then the conference final. You know, got got swept as well. And, oh no, I, I I thought we I thought we swept Boston in 2013, but I, I honestly don't remember. Okay, I thought um yeah maybe, maybe I'm wrong as well. I was uh, but I I don't you know, think pretty, there's a bearing. I really don't. All right, well um you know, I really am pretty sure that we swept Boston in 2013 in the regular season and then got swept in the playoffs. I'm not 100 percent sure, and honestly, what's it matter? Let's go to uh, Jake in Blairsville. Jake, you're on with Double M. Hey, how you doing? Great. Uh, just a quick question was, uh, are there any Flyers players that you're concerned that uh, might intentionally cause physical harm to any of the Penguins? Uh, I'm not sure I'm, you know, terrified by it. I, You know, I mean, the Flyers play not like they used to. They're not as goony as they were. But uh, I, uh, I mean, Gudas is a jerk. Manning's a jerk. Yeah, those two. If you want, if you want me to answer that question directly and definitely, Manning and Gudas, no question. They're a couple of scumbags, and uh, you know the Flyers aren't a goon squad like they were in the '70s, certainly, and not even like they were in 2012. But but those two guys, yeah, they they can do some damage to you physically, and not in a clean and sportsmanlike way. Let's go to Vince in the car. Vince, strong with double M. Taylor, what's up, Vince? Uh, hey, who is your favorite Western Conference team to make the uh, Stanley Cup Finals this year? Who am I, who am I rooting for out oh, in the uh, out in the West? I'm rooting for Vegas, of course. Me too, man. Me too. Uh, I mean, they got uh, Flurry, they got Nealer, they got Engo, they got David Perron, and what a great story! That's the best story in hockey this year. And tell how much how, what a great story it would be if the Penguins go for their third straight Stanley Cup, playing against a team that is going for the Stanley Cup in its first season ever. Right. That would be fantastic. It would be heart-wrenching as a Penguin fan and a lifelong Flurry fan, obviously. But, you know, I'll be rooting for the Pens if that happens. Thank you for the call. Good stuff. Up next, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's Stan Saverin. Don't forget, we're giving away a couple tickets to Game 1 between the Penguins and the Flyers in the 5 o'clock hour. And my guest at 5.30 will be Penguins coach, Mike Sullivan. I'm Mark Madden on the Penguins radio station, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yeah, the intensity and the talent. Hey, what's up, Mark? Big fan. Adults don't want kids to be funny. I'm immature, so I don't count. The X at 105.9. Joining me now from AT&T Sportsnet TV and ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's the great Stan Saverin. Stan, it's the Penguins in Philadelphia, the old enemy. Is there any way the Penguins lose this one? I really don't see it. Um, you don't like to be overconfident. Um, there are upsets in the first round um, every year. I expect there will be again this year. Um, but I think it's a good matchup for the Penguins, Mark. Uh, I also think it will be a good test for some of the things that have ailed them this year. Uh, the Flyers do have some skilled forwards. I mean, we think of the Flyers, and you know everybody thinks of you know what it used to be like. But they do have some skilled forwards, and the Penguins still uh, have not solved their issues with defensive zone coverages, um, easy entries. Uh, that's something that's got to change uh, as they make a playoff run. And I think the Flyers will test that a little bit because they do have some forwards who can hurt you. 
Uh, that's a fair assessment, Stan. The Flyers really do play a lot like the Penguins. High scoring with the fair amount of risk. And I don't think many teams could beat the Penguins at their own game. But I don't see that the Flyers have a choice but to try. Yeah, I mean, they've got to, you know, they've got to do what, you know, what, what they can do, what they're, they're built to do. Frankly, I think that there are a lot of teams like the Flyers who have changed their games dramatically throughout the league in the last couple of years. Every league is a copycat league in every sport, and the Penguins trend. We saw a lot of that this year, Mark. I mean, for Tampa's always been, you know, a team built with speed and scoring. But you know what Ray Shiro did, and uh, and and John Hines, and uh, in New Jersey, we're seeing a lot of teams. Um, you're looking, oh, that's the way to do it. That's the way they do it. You have to have the personnel to do it. Um, the question is, like you said, um, are they good enough to beat the Penguins at their own game? It does, to a degree, though, neutralize a Penguins advantage, uh, which has been an advantage. Uh, San Jose comes to mind. They just couldn't catch up with them. Um, and you can, what Columbus tried to do, uh, you know, last year, bully them, bang them. You got to catch them first. Uh, but there are teams that now, I don't know if they're equal, they don't have equal talent, but they are looking to skate with them now, and of course, that presents a different challenge. Giroux has 102 points, and nobody's talking about him. He's kind of coming in under the radar, isn't he, after being second in the league in scoring? Uh, very much so. You know, there's only three guys who scored 100 points. He's one of them, second in the scoring race to McDavid. And I look, well, you know, we don't like him around here, and I don't like that missing tooth. That bothers me. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, the mere fact that the guy switched positions. Now, maybe that aids his scoring because he you know, doesn't have to worry about setting people up as much as he once did. Um, but still, uh, you know, switch positions like that, move to the wing, um, partially unfamiliar to him, he had a hell of a year. And I think, Mark, it's also fair to point out, I hate to be fair with the Flyers, um, you know, they're coming off a bad year. I mean, they're coming off a, he, excuse me, he's coming off a bad year, a down year for him anyway. Um, I mean, he's a long cry from what Peter Laviolette called him, but still he's been, a, you know, he's been a very good player, coming off a down year, had a hell of a season this year. I think the big difference is goaltending and defense. I don't think the Flyers have much in those spots. They don't even really have a number one goaltender, do they? No, they don't. And I think that's, I mean, the Penguins obviously have an advantage over the Flyers, uh, down the middle. But you could say that about every team in the NHL. Uh, Broussard looks like he's healthy. One through four, no one can match that. Uh, but if you, and I know we, we obsess uh, about the Penguins' defense, certainly the depth, that's legit. Uh, but when you look past Gosvespair, um, uh, you know, past the first pairing, let's put it that way, I mean, there's not a whole lot there. Um, there's, you know, their third and fourth lines, I don't think, match up terribly well. But the, their second and third defense pair, even though a lot of people have questions about the Penguins' second and third, I don't think they should, um, I think the Penguins have a big advantage there. And there is some concern about Matt Murray. His goals against was a half goal higher this year than last season. There's some reason for that, but he's also shown he can elevate his game. And you know, even if Brian Elliott elevates his game or Razik elevates his game, they can only go to a certain level. Yeah, let, let's stay with Matt Murray for a second. He was a bit up and down during the season, but obviously a great playoff resume, stand. And uh, I really don't judge goalies on good teams by stats as much as I do big saves and big games. Yeah, it's not only how many you make, it's when you make them. Uh, he's very adept at that. And I don't think that we should discount. I mean, look, his regular season numbers last year um, were much better, 241 and a 923 save percentage, uh, 292 and 907 this year. 
But even looking at his regular season numbers, you look at what happens in the playoffs. I mean, he cuts that by 30, 40 percent. Uh, and again, uh, if, you've, if you've seen it, you know it's in there. And I had uh, Jim Rutherford on my show today, um, and, and he was saying, you know, Murray is wondering why people are questioning him. Um, I, you know, he's, he's aware of what people are saying, and the numbers are the numbers. Um, don't be surprised if he comes out tomorrow night and for the playoffs with a chip on his shoulder like, I've won two cups. Um, you know, until you've won two cups, don't say a word. We're talking to Stan Saverin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Uh, Stan, people are trying to draw a connection between this series and the 2012 series between the Penguins and Flyers where the Pens fell apart mentally. Do you see any connection? No, I really don't, um, other than, uh, you know, the history of the two franchises, not these two teams, but the history of the franchises and all that's gone down and everybody is aware of the history and uh, all the stuff that's attendant to it. Uh, that 2012 uh, season, uh, you know, who knows what, you know, Daniel Briere, um, is, if there was replay back then, maybe the Penguins hang on to that 3 nothing lead. Uh, but I look at a lot of different players, um, only three remain from that team. You know, those guys are now six years older when they were then. Um, they, they have two cups now under their belt. And maybe the most important factor, in addition to the fact that, you know, there's only three guys remaining from that team, and those three are now all in their 30s, and that's the guy behind the bench. I mean, you know, you can talk all you want about the players, but they take their lead from him. And um, I don't know. I guess I have such a belief in him that he keeps them focused. We, we've seen, even during the playoffs, we've seen that. I, I wouldn't expect anything different. You know, if stuff starts up, they'll answer the bell, but I don't know that they're going to come unravel like they did in that series. No, I agree, Stan. I think the Penguins are much more mature than that 2012 team. As you just said, I think the coach is better equipped to handle whatever. And I think some of the Penguins' players will equally frustrate the Flyers now, like Patrick Hornquist. We didn't have him in 2012, and boy, he's a real antidote to, to what the Flyers have tried to pull sometimes. Yeah, you wonder, and I'd be interested in your opinion, I mean, do you think that the, I mean, the Flyers are going to play their game, but is part of their game saying, well, we, you know, we, we knock them off, you know, we don't want to get, get to put on a power play, but I mean, what do you expect from the Flyers? Well, Stan, it's kind of funny because Ron Hextall has really reconstructed that team as a modern-day NHL club. A lot more speed, a lot more skill, but he kept around Gudas and Manning on defense who were a couple of knuckleheads. And even the guys who aren't, you know, wired that way, like those two are, once you join that team, it gets in your DNA to some extent. So I don't think they'll come out trying to perpetrate shenanigans in an orchestrated way like they did in 2012. I think at times they won't be able to help themselves. Yeah, probably so. You know, this is what the Flyers do, and that's, you know, that's the culture from on, uh, on high. It's been that way for 45 years. Um, I mean, I just look at the uh, last regular season game in Philadelphia when the Penguins, you know, won. And then, you know, after the game was over, Manning starts something. You know, you want to start something, do it during the game. So I think that there are some guys like that. And I wouldn't be – let me put it this way. Um, I don't know that I would say that Hornquist would be an initiator. It's just the way he plays. But I also think even in the new wave era of the Philadelphia Flyers, they won't be able to resist or retaliate. 
Well, I'm, I'm talking about with, with Hornquist. If you're going to stand in Pittsburgh's blue paint, he's going to go stand in yours. If you're going to jostle the Pittsburgh goalie, he's going to go jostle yours. Like you said, it's just the way he plays. Now, the rivalry is very heated between the fans and media. How heated do you think it is in the dressing rooms and, and on the ice? I've often wondered if the players talk about it like we do. Well, I would think because of the influx um, uh, of newer players on both sides, that is probably tamped down a little bit. But, you know, you've had guys like Giroux, who has been around. Simmons, by the way, keep an eye on him. You know, he's a guy. I mean, I think he's a hell of a forward. He didn't have a great year this year. But, you know, he's a good power play guy. He's also very physical. They're aware. Uh, I, I think, you know, a chance to motivate their team. They're going to say, look, we don't like this team. This is what they're going to do. We're not going to take any crap. We don't care if they're the defending Stanley Cup champion. We know whatever rhetoric it's going to take them to not be, I don't want to say awed, but intimidated by a team that has won back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I do think there's, there's some of that. Um, certainly Hextall would be one who could fill them in. By the way, it, it, it stuns me that here you have a great goaltender as a general manager, and he's done everything but go out and get a good goaltender. I don't think the Penguins had a great regular season, Stan, but I honestly think it's because they still have an extra gear. Did the Penguins maybe save something? Well, I think so. Um, you know, we, we all talked about a Stanley Cup hangover. Uh, that's an easy thing to say, but I also think we saw it manifest itself in the first three months. Look, January 1st, they were barely over 500. The last three months, um, they were well over. Uh, and maybe more importantly than that, I think we saw some of the gear. We didn't see it consistently, but we saw some flashes of playing the way they need to play, you know, in bigger games and games that mattered. Now, you can't turn it on and off, but I also think that they know what they're doing. They know what it takes. Um, I do think they'll dial it up because I think we've seen some of that. In other words, it's not just the record that they had in January, February, uh, and March. It's the way they played. It, you know, uh, whatever the record was, you began to see some of that. Not enough of it. Not enough of it consistently from game to game, because that's what you need in the playoffs. But I do think that they're capable. We get back to the defenses. I think a lot of their defensive lapses have been because the play Mike Sullivan style, 110 percent isn't enough. It's 120. Just that extra half a step to be a half a second to the puck, beating the other guy to the puck by a quarter of a second for puck possession, it takes that extra 5 to 10%. Um, I think it's tough to manufacture in February. What's your prediction, Stan? Who wins and in how many? Uh, I feel like I'm being overconfident if I say five, but I'm going to say Penguins in five. You know what's funny? I'm predicting Penguins in five, too. But if you made me pick between four and six, I'd pick four. And that's not to say the Flyers stink, but I just don't think that you can beat the Penguins in a series or even extend a series with the Penguins with Brian Elliott and goal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an excellent point. Um, uh, there aren't many teams I can see beating them in seven. Uh, it's funny, but I go the opposite way. Maybe just because I'm naturally a pessimist. Uh, if you asked me to choose between four and six, I would take the six. That's why I come up with the five. Stan, before we let you go, i got to ask you about uh, something that kind of struck my fancy about Odell Beckham Jr. He's in a contract battle with the Giants. He has one more year left on a contract that definitely underpays him. But he showed up for OTAs. 
And now it's all sunshine and roses. The coach is talking about what a great professional he is. The media in New York is lauding him. Uh, maybe Le'Veon Bell could learn a lesson there. Yeah, he could. I mean, their circumstances are, are different in that, you know, Beckham's got one year left on his contract. But that having been said, essentially it's the same because Bell's got to be obligated to play the tag. And then both of them can become unrestricted free agents uh, a, a year from now. Um, I know that when they put franchise tags on players, none of them like it, even though it guarantees them big money. They don't like it because they feel it's restrictive. Well, frankly, if you've got a beef about that, then go to the union. They're the ones who negotiated that clause in the contract. Well, my point being, too, nothing happens at OTAs. There's very little actual activity, and you can do as little or as much as you want. It's kind of optional. So really, it's just a PR move. I, I, I can't believe Bell wouldn't look at that and say, okay, you know, when he's tweeting about the fans, making him the villain, how can I correct that? But my conclusion is Beckham wants to correct it, and Bell doesn't. The difference there, though, is, Mark, if Bell shows up at OTAs, that means he has to sign his franchise tag tender. Yeah, but he's going to do that sooner or later anyway. Right. But oh, what? I know what you mean. Yeah, you're right. He couldn't go to OTAs and then skip minicamp then. And training camp. He'd have to go to training camp, which is what he wants to avoid. He doesn't want to go to Latrobe. That's the big difference in that, that in order to show up at OTAs, he has to sign his franchise tag. Are you sure tag. about that? Yeah. They can't just let them. I mean, they're undrafted free agents that are there without a contract, right? But there's exceptions for rookies. I mean, if you're if you're a you cannot attend unless you're quote a member of the team. Well, that blows my blog for today out of the water, but it was a nice concept. Well, you might want to check. I've been known to be wrong, but I, I think that that's uh... oh, Stan. What's done is done, which is a nice way of saying there's no way I'm doing another blog. Okay, <laughs> Stan. Great stuff as always. I appreciate it. We'll see you Thursday. On- the super genius, Mark Madden. Hello, is this Mark Madden? Mark, this is the fake Norm McDonald. How the hell are you? What's going on now sucks, but that sucked too, and it was boring. DX at 105.9. What a hockey day here on the Mark Madden Show. We had Sid. We will have Mike Sullivan. We just talked about the series with Stan Saverin. I'm a pessimist by nature, but I can't talk my way into believing that the Flyers could pull the upset. I'm sure it's quite the opposite in Philadelphia. I'm sure they're doing nothing else but talking themselves into believing an upset is pending. But I don't see it. I just don't see it going down. Look at the Flyers' defense. They got two pretty good ones. Provorov and, of course, Gostas Bear, who each have their flaws, might I add. Both wholly not physical and both not very big to man the blue line in the NHL. But great with the puck, great offensively. Certainly a lot to like about both of them. But otherwise, you got Manning. He's a hack. Sanheim. He's a mediocre player. McDonald skates like his ankles are chained together. And then you got that cement head, Rod Kogudas. People talk about the Penguins being poor on defense. My God, Matt Hunwick is a scratch for Pittsburgh. He might be a top four with Philadelphia were he on the Flyers. Then you got goal. Matt Murray, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Not the greatest regular season, but you can count on that guy. Believe me, you can count on Matt Murray. 
Everybody points to the stats from this year while ignoring his stats from the last two playoff runs. What? Those aren't relevant? Then the Flyers got Elliott, had a good run in St. Louis, but he's played for six different teams. He's basically a journeyman. You got Morazic, who the Detroit Red Wings couldn't wait to see the back of. You got Neuvert in reserve, in reserve. And you can say that, that Giroux and Warcheck compared to Sinjino, you'd be wrong, but you could say that. Giroux and Voracek have certainly both had very good years. Then you talk about the components offensively at the next level. Couturier had 30-some-odd goals this year, but Kessel's a bigger threat. That Konechki kid is kind of picking it up a little bit. But, I mean, come on, Hornquist. If you matched up the Penguins and Flyers man-to-man at every position, every slot, there aren't many slots where the Penguins wouldn't win that battle handily. Let's go to Josh and Sarver. Josh, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. Um, I think uh, Matt Murray absolutely has to stay healthy for another cup run. It's imperative. And I think Philly knows this. And running him might be the only way to beat the Pens. I can see uh, I can see it now. I can see Katorik or Manning, Voracek, somebody running him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I hate to... Uh put all my eggs in that hopeless basket. What if they run them and don't hurt them? They lose. It's game over. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a bit conspiracy theor-esque. And there is a time when I wouldn't put that past the Flyers. And honestly, like I said, it's in their DNA. I wouldn't put it past them now. But there's no remedy to that. There's nothing the Penguins could have done to prevent that, right? There's not. Well, I mean, run theirs. That's the only way. They, they have three. They all stink, but they have three. Let me tell you, if it was Casey DeSmith or Tristan Jari in goal against Elliott or Morazic, I might still give the Penguins the edge in goal, especially given that the Penguins are going to play much better defense, in theory, let's hope, in front of their guy than the Flyers will in front of theirs. Let's go to Ashley and Baldwin. Ashley. You're all with the super genius. Good afternoon, Mr. Madden. How Good afternoon. Um, I just had a, a couple questions, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, on the March 25th game, um, clearly we had some issues in the neutral zone, a lot of turnovers. Um, how do you feel You know, we're going to be able to overcome that? And secondly, um, we also threw a lot of penalties that game, which we tend to do with the Flyers. Do you feel like... Um, well, the Flyers tend to take able... a lot of penalties in games against Pittsburgh, too. That, that is absolutely correct. I agree with you. Usually we end up evening up <laughs> one way or another. Well, right. If it's going to be a, a matchup of power plays, the Penguins finished first in the league, and the Flyers finished up somewhere in the middle. The Penguins' PK has been struggling, to be sure. And by the way, uh, for those who say, well, that's because they got rid of Ian Cole, the Penguins' PK wasn't great with Ian Cole. And that dates all the way back to and through all of last year. Uh, but but the, the best point you made, Ashley, is they've got to do better in the neutral zone, especially at each blue line. They make far too many turnovers at each blue line. And because of the indecisive nature, when you leave or enter a zone, that's something the other team, especially Philadelphia with a great transition game, can jump all over. Let's go to the car. Excuse me, Connor in the car. 
Con, you're on with double M. Hey, Mark. I was just wondering, uh, with such a tight race for the Hart Trophy, who's your pick? Uh, I would say either Taylor Hall or Nathan McKinnon. And I've done it about face on Taylor Hall, certainly. But uh, the proof's in the pudding. He led them to the playoffs and wound up, I believe, sixth in scoring. Nate McKinnon, top five, got Colorado into the playoffs. Uh, who's your pick? I mean, I'd have to go with either one of those two. Uh, I mean, I'd have no problem if it if it went to Kucherov. I'd have no problem if it went to Gino. But Gino didn't have a great stretch run. That said, his whole body of work, his entire season, is worthy of definite consideration for MVP. Now, how do you feel about Giroux, though? Eh, I hate him. Oh, you mean for MVP? Uh, you know what? He deserves consideration. I'm just as happy if he doesn't get it. Uh, although, you know what? There's no such thing as a quiet 102 points, which was what I was about to say. But my finalists would be Hall and McKinnon and probably Kucherov, although I bet McDavid supplants somebody. Up next, I'm going to tell you about a bunch of people in Philadelphia that I hate. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to give away Penguin tickets, and we're going to talk to Penguins coach Mike Sullivan. This is the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X.